I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms. But in August 2022, we switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM. And it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content. And we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable, too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash Transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash Transistor. Start growing your podcast today. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. Good morning. Uh, how has your movie week been? Has there been much of it or has it been okay? No, it's it's been not too bad. Um, I forget how I got on the subject of uh, the social network. Oh, I remember. Um, so there's a, a podcast called, oh, like 22,000 22, Hertz or something like that. And they do all these, you know, it's all about sound. And they did one uh, about movie trailers. And I think I'd posted this on there of these guys, the Audionauts did a, a breakdown of, of the the booge sound the bouge, that's usually yes, and they 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 cut together a trailer like the typical blockbuster trailer. But in the episode, they talk about trends in movie trailers, and they talk about the use of a, a popular music, but doing a different version. And they talk about the social network and taking Radiohead's "Creep" and using that you know choir version. So I was listening to that and with my daughter and. She's like, oh, yeah, that's really interesting. I said, you've, you've actually never seen The Social Network. So we sat down earlier in the week, or maybe it was last Sunday, I can't recall, and watched The Social Network, which was interesting because she's not really of the Facebook generation, you know, with much more Instagram, Snapchat, and all that. But she really, really enjoyed Social Network. I think it was uh, sort of, from her perspective, almost like a historical movie. Here's how this thing happened. Uh, but she's you know, a big fan of Jesse Eisenberg and knows Andrew Garfield from Spider-Man. So it was faces she recognized and it's an interesting story. So we had some some good discussion about uh, that little you know journey of, of, of Facebook. And then uh, last night, my wife and I watched Game Night, uh, Jason Bateman, Rachel McAdams. That movie was a lot more fun than I was expecting. I really, really enjoyed that one. So that's where I've been this week. 
Nice, nice. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's nice catching up on some things you've seen before and some new stuff. So that's pretty uh, cool. What about you? Have you had time for anything? You know, I have. It's actually um, I've been playing catch up on a few things. One of which is uh, is finally. Uh, uh, um, uh, I've been working on catching up on all of the films that that you have ever mentioned in old <laughs> blog posts oh or gosh. on all of the old trailer rewinds, all that sort of stuff. So, so no and, no guilt here. It's like, oh, it took you forever to watch the one movie I recommend. I'm watching everything you ever talked about. Thanks, right. Andy. <laughs> yep. Hey, if there's anything I can uh, can use to uh, to push you into watching something of mine a little quicker this time. Okay. Then, all right. So, but what I. I did finally watch Another Earth, which was a film that, oh, uh, yeah. that you had mentioned long ago mm-hmm. and uh, in one of your early blog posts. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was a specifically a review. It was just kind of a, a some thoughts about – I can't even remember now <laughs> what your point was. But it was it was a, a really interesting little quiet science fiction film. It, it wasn't perfect. I think Britt oh, Marlin yeah. does some really yeah. interesting stuff with her projects for sure. And um, and there's a there's a quietness to it, but I, I think there's a lot of interesting ideas in it. So it was a really interesting one, and I'm glad I finally caught up with it. Yeah, I, that's one that uh, yeah, I I really like the concept, the execution. There's, yeah, I agree. There's there's some some issues there that prevent it from being you know wow, uh, like perfect film, like five star. But yeah, well, I'm I'm glad. I think it's a, a good entry point into what she does or for people that know her work from just the OA going into the back catalog, you'll see sort of some common themes of it's, it is sci-fi, but it's, it's not like the hard and heavy sci-fi. It's uh, you know, you can do the sci-fi without a lot of special effects just in, in concepts. Yeah. So yeah. Right, oh, I'm right. glad, glad you got to see that one. Yeah. So, so I watched that. So I think all I'm left with other than your latest trailer rewind, which now I've, I've had to add that to my queue cause I missed that one. Um, but the other one is Contiki. So that's, oh, that's my the gosh. only one yeah. left that I need to look at. So I'm looking forward to uh, checking that one out because it looks like a really fun one to watch with the family. Oh, that's my gosh. Oh, yeah. You're, I think your kids are going to really enjoy enjoy that one. Did you ever have to read either that book or excerpts from that in middle school or I high school? I never heard of that story oh, okay. until I saw that trailer. Okay. So, yeah, I completely missed that whole story. Okay. Oh, yeah. definitely good. Good family one. If it's if it's stre- available streaming out there, I guess. Yeah, I yeah I can't couldn't find it streaming, so I just I have it in my uh, my DVD queue over at Netflix. So DVD be here soon enough. DVD queue. That's so like two thousand and four, <laughs> Andy. That's so so quaint. So quaint. <laughs> hey, I'm I'm helping keep uh, Netflix alive, and, and the uh, postal service. Netflix Netflix yeah. needs me. <laughs> yes, um, they wouldn't be able to survive without someone like me supporting yeah, their DVD service. <laughs> Awesome. Um, the other thing I've been doing, um, I've found a new podcast that I've been listening to kind of religiously is 80s All Over, which is uh, a great one I'd recommend to anyone who loves 80s movies. Um, it's uh, it's two film critics who are basically going through the entire run of the 1980s theatrical releases month by month and re-reviewing everything, what? basically. How, yeah, are you, how are they finding some of these things? I've got to imagine they, some, some of these. Some of them are challenging. Yeah. Some of them are really challenging, but... One way or another, they're tracking everything down. And so I have been, as I've been listening, I'm up into, I, I just finished 1982. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I've been adding stuff to my watch list. Like, oh, that sounds really interesting. Oh, I forgot about that. And all of a sudden, I'm like, holy crap, my watch list has just grown <laughs> like exponentially. I'm like, I'm trying to thin it out. What am I doing? I keep adding stuff to it. So... But there's a lot of stuff that I have been wanting to see, and and uh, now a lot of new things that I want to check out. So I am it's it's good and bad because now it's like, oh, what am I doing? But but it's fun. It's a it's a fun podcast to check out. Oh, I'll have to I'll have to check that out because yeah, there are some films that are very much of their time and will feel very dated, and others that I imagine will feel like oh yeah, the you know costumes and sets look a little you know dated, but the the story and the concepts are you know living beyond that that decade um yeah that, 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 and i imagine there's a lot of things that uh you know weren't the big award winners or weren't the big box office pictures that are you know solid like you know three four star films that have been forgotten and overlooked uh that are probably worth checking out again yeah and, so, and i mean you know there's 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 the 
positive and negative side of shows like that because yeah. you know people who the, for the two of them who are hosting it who are relatively close in age to to my age oh, okay. there's yeah. they you know we all kind of share some of that nostalgia for some of these 80s films and they both gave just heaping praises to Robert Altman's Popeye and I rewatched that with my son <laughs> oh, okay cuz I'm like did I forget that that was a good one because I didn't think it was I don't. that great, yeah. and I so I rewatched it uh, with my son, and you know I I do commend Altman and everybody involved for really putting a lot of work into creating a really rich world. I mean, it really was a very cartoon feeling world, um, but the story was a little weak. And yeah. so I didn't love it, but I, I thought it was pretty interesting. My son, on the other hand, was riveted. Oh, wow. Like, he was just, it was like watching a cartoon. He just like, he was laying <laughs> on the floor right in front of the TV is, with his head propped up by his hands, just staring at the TV, just chuckling away. So it still has its magic, wow. I guess. I, yeah. I think I saw that in the theater. Oh, wow. I, I think I may have seen that in the, in the theater because I, I remember it. And yeah, but not really... St- sticking with me that well i i do know that i think the town that they built uh mm-hmm. is, is still exists and it's like a tourist like yeah, thing right so That's, yeah it's, it's an yeah. interesting yeah interesting you know story about that film uh okay yeah i was i was thinking about because i saw your review i thought maybe it, it's time to revisit something i haven't seen in that long but yeah i i, I got time for other things I think <laughs> it sounds like well, and and as I've learned, I am going to have to make time for a lot of other things. Yeah. As I said, you know, I'm like, gosh, my my list, like I said, it's just like I've added easily 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, uh, 45 films oh or so my to, my, to my list. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And that's just through 1982. So that's three years. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, uh, I should stop this while I'm ahead. Yeah, you've got... <laughs> You've got to stop these, like you know, decades-long projects, Andy. You've got, you've got, oh, I know. You, you've still got to finish got Iron Man. You've got to finish Iron Man here, right? Oi, oi! What am I doing? I don't know. Uh, well, uh, so what other news? I guess uh, you know we're a week away from uh, Infinity War or from Endgame. Are you feeling Endgame. ready? I I am excited about it. I I think I watched just the first trailer. And I know there have been more, and I, I got the general gist of it. And I think it. My feeling is with later trailers, they're just they're they're putting in more stuff that those are the things that I don't need to see. I got the general gist of it. No, oh no, I guess I've seen two because there was the first one that was maybe the teaser. I don't know. And then there was the second one that was like all black and white. Uh, it was mostly you know you know the history of each of the main characters. You know, uh, yeah. Uh, that that got me amped up for it and i'm i'm very much looking forward to this i did watch the uh pete had posted in discord that uh that roundtable uh discussion uh with entertainment weekly which was uh, really nice uh to get a sense of you know the the change or the connection they each have with their characters uh throughout you know of a decade of, of making these and thinking oh my gosh it's you know many of them have had you know Married, divorced, kids, big life changes, but they've got this connection. And it, it's just something that, as Chris Evans says, you know, this is like a once in a like forever thing to have uh, a studio, you know, have this, you know, lo- long term, large scale project like this of everything just weaving together, working together. So I'm really, uh, you know, excited to see how this culminates in, in Endgame. It's going to be interesting, and it's going to be interesting to see what they do with all of the stuff they're adding over on Disney+. Plus. It's just mm-hmm. nuts how how all of that is going to kind of fold into the whole MCU and how it's going to be one big thing between um, the, new, uh, the new films coming out in Phase 4 and all the various TV shows. Uh, it's going to be a busy time for all of us. It's not, I've given myself, resigned myself to the fact that I'm never going to see all of everything. So I've just got to <laughs> identify the things that um, I enjoyed and have, have time for. Because I, I did enjoy um, what was the, the Hulu series, you know, Runaways. Uh, I know that I think the second season is finding time for that. I know there's Cloak and Dagger. I never, you know, there's there's so much. And I think it's, the, I, again, the idea of in this uh, era of so much to choose from, it just 
you have the ability to to pick and choose the things that uh, you you want to see or that are going to be good for you. I I mean, I still haven't gotten through everything on on Netflix, and I I don't know that I ever will, but I know it's there when yeah. I need it, which is is nice because <laughs> sometimes I go through. I'll get on a, a binge of something like we you know we binge the OA, and it, it, that there's some things that I think work really well that way. Um, Legion on FX is one that I realize I need to binge that because those stories are so complex and abstract that if I if it's a week or more between episodes, I've forgotten what's what's gone on because yeah, it right. so it's just easier to say, let me wait for that season to be done and then I'll just sit down and just crank through all that and, and go on that journey over, you know, several days rather than several months. So I think that's right, right, right. sort of my approach with some of these. I'll wait till everything's done and then maybe look at it all it, together. Look at it all together. Yep. Speaking of binging, um, I can't wait to start binging The Mandalorian when it comes out. Have you seen any of the uh, the stuff that was leaked from uh, Star Wars Celebration no, that I, last weekend? No, I have not. I, I saw Ooh, that there was, you know, it kept popping up. You know, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember hearing about this, but I didn't know that there were things that were now being leaked out. Oh. Well, they were. there were some people who were filming uh, at Celebration of the the various uh, the trailers and there was like a little behind the scenes like three minute making of sort of thing, lots of great stuff uh, released for that. So um, you definitely need to um, see if some of it's still out there. If not, okay. I'm assuming that they are going to be putting out some fresh stuff, like official stuff, um, yeah. soon enough. Because um, you know people have seen it, and I'm sure that they will just let everybody else see it sometime soon but it looks like an amazing addition to the star wars universe and i think it's gotten a lot of people excited so and uh, this is going to be we'll, a disney we'll plus thing isn't it it is yeah <sighs> dang it okay so many reasons to get that <laughs> all right see you've got a good reason your kids are at age where it's like yeah you're gonna have access to the whole catalog of stuff that you've got kids that are minor aging out of that and maybe for nostalgia reasons, but it's not something where they're, it's going to be like, oh yeah, this is like a go-to main source of entertainment for them. Uh, although it will be maybe nice to dig into some of the the classics, you know, since they're getting rid of the, what is it, the uh, they would put films in the vault, right? So this is basically the, the Disney vault goes away because everything will always be available there on I don't Disney know. Plus. I'm curious if they are going to play with the whole vault idea still. Like, you know, they might release, like, they might kind of do rotations. I, I don't know. I don't, I'm curious if they're going to, like, leave all their classics yeah. out there just all the time or if there will still be some of that. I guess we'll find out. Well, I'm sure Song of the South is not going to come out of any vaults. <laughs> I'm sure not. <laughs> that will be one that uh, they will somehow still uh, avoid putting out there. Ah, well, what are you going to do? Right. Yeah. I will say, um, now that you finally caught up with In the Name of the Father. Oh, everybody then, else is and now. And Nick Langdon caught up with Oh, wait, the wait the there's, there, there's more. Now, Pete posted, Pete posted, and a review that feels much closer in line with the way that my uh, recollection of the film is. Oh, we have and enough? Then, uh, yeah. And then Joel posted <laughs> yes. as well. Yeah. I love that all of a sudden it's becoming a thing, and uh, <laughs> I still would love to include it in a series. I feel a little less... Uh, um, a rush to do it right away, but still, I want more people to see this movie because I just remember loving it so much. So I'm glad that everybody's getting out there to watch it now. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out the formula here. Andy recommends seeing it. <laughs> Nobody watches it. I finally get around to it. And then, like, the dam breaks open and everybody's like, well, if Steve watched it now, we've got to watch it. I feel some pressure here now. Of like, or maybe it was just the discussion. I guess maybe it was my review and discussion and people needed to weigh in uh, because I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to have this type of discussion about something where there's some not great differences of opinion, but, you know, sort of a, a shorter range of of ratings you know between pete's you know four and a half and i think uh, i put it somewhere around three and nick had it at three and a half and joel's got it at, at four so yeah this is this is what i love about you know our listeners and discord of being able to have these types of conversations about films like this in a in a nice structured 
way. Not the cage match that Pete wanted to set up. <laughs> well, it's not a cage match, but as Pete said, uh, it, you know, because he's eavesdropping on us, he said that you are patient zero after all, Steve. So okay, it still all comes back. It to all you. comes back. So all when right. the zombie outbreak happens, I know where it started. <laughs> That's right. With me watching World War Z two. That's where it will start. <laughs> Well, let's uh, let's do our trailers. I guess, okay. I guess you get to go first because uh, you pulled the A24 I pulled, rule. I pulled the A24. I, I have to admit, it was sort of slim pickings out there for me trying to find something uh, that, again, I can be, you know, sort of setting up for Trailer Rewind. What's something that is a film that I'm going to want to come back to? Yeah, but uh, you didn't do Tremors, man. That's a series, isn't it? That's a Netflix series? I, I don't know. I don't know, but still, I was just so no, excited I, no, that I, Kevin Bacon was <laughs> Going back to I his roots. <laughs> no, I Yes, that's a franchise. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a different story altogether. I think I've seen the first two. I think there's, what, five oh, total? I have no I idea, but I, I love that is its own thing. Uh, but no, here, you know, A24 bringing something a little bit heavier than Tremors. Uh, this is not a story I was familiar with, but it apparently what I learned in, in research from this trailer, uh, which is called Skin, uh, this is based on a, a documentary about Brian Widner, who was one of the FBI's most sought-after white supremacists, and he basically left the organization he was in and underwent 25 tattoo removal surgeries to have... Because he's just tatted up, you know, all the face, neck, arms, hands, ev everything. And a lot of these are uh, symbolic, you know, gang or whatever you call it, organization affiliated, you know, have meaning to them. So th I guess that documentary uh, inspired a filmmaker to actually tell the story, the full story of this man who was raised by, by skinheads and white supremacists and... You know, meets a woman and basically has a family and decides to get out. And that is not the easiest thing to pull yourself out of an organization like this. And it's was, I guess, a short film first called Skin that won the uh, Academy Award for Best Live Action Short in 2019. And that was written and directed by Guy Native. I'm going to assume this is the feature length version of this. And a lot of people are just really impressed with uh, Jamie Bell's performance in this film. And it's a long, long ways off from, you know, being a little dancing boy to being a white supremacist here. And this is just a story that always fascinates me when people are are into you know, deeply pulled into an organization or cult and try to remove themselves from that situation. They have a, a life transforming event that shifts their whole beliefs and they try to, to leave, I think is for me just a really compelling character piece. And I'm really intrigued to see where, where this film goes with this. Uh, it looks like it's going to be uh July 26, 2019 release from May 24. What do you think? Did you see, um, weirdly, the short film? Or did you know that Guy Nativ did a short film called Skin that is totally that's, unrelated? That's, it's, um, that's, I thought it was maybe the same, a similar story. I didn't know, because I saw that it was also called Skin and he wanted live action. So I thought maybe it was similar about white supremacists. Yeah. So I, haven't, I have it's not a, seen it. The the description is a small supermarket in a blue collar town. A black man smiles at a ten year old white boy across the checkout aisle. This innocuous moment sends two gangs into a ruthless war that ends with a shocking backlash. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's a short drama that uh, yeah. that he did last year uh, yeah. and won an Oscar for. Yes, so yeah. I think that this trailer uh, just really uh, was captivating. I think that uh, Jamie Bell is really just an actor who brings a lot to his performances and certainly is doing that in this case. Uh, likewise, uh, Danielle McDonald, who plays his wife, yeah. I think it just she's an actress who is uh, also has a lot of compelling stuff going on. And, and she's 
she seemed to kind of, I, I know she's been around for a little while, but I think Patty Cakes is really where she kind of uh, broke out. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think that the story here is one of those dark, redemptive stories. Like, can you escape this life? Is there hope to do it? And, you know, just because you remove these tattoos, uh, like he says, you know, am I still bad underneath or whatever? Yeah. It's, it's a really kind of compelling look into this world. And and um, it's it's the sort of story that I think is is dark and, and creepy because of just the nature of it. But I, I, I don't know. I'm really compelled by it. So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I want to check it out. Okay, and that one comes out when? That's July twenty sixth. So nice. I, oh, I imagine just a, in time a, for my birthday. <laughs> I imagine you know small art house release on this yeah. one in the middle of the summer. Some, but uh, yeah, definitely one uh, gonna look for. It, you know, it calls to mind movies like um, American History X. Uh, you know, similar type of story. But I, I think that what intrigues me is this connection to. A true story and this is one if we end up doing this on trailer rewind i want to track down this msnbc documentary um to sort of see the comparison uh similar to what we did with uh when jj and i talked about i tanya on hulu they had a, a documentary about young tanya harding when she was just getting started and it's always interesting with to see films that are based on real people and true events if there are other you know, documentaries about that to do a sort of little side-by-side -side comparison to to see different presentations of that story to see how that, that pans out. So something I'm looking yeah. forward to with this one. Very cool. Very All cool. right. Before I jump into my trailer, just for clarification, there are six Tremors films. <laughs> okay. All <laughs> right. The seventh, uh, apparently a seventh one. Um, in the works, Michael Gross did confirm that he was going to return. Oh my God, has he it. been? Has he been in all of them? Um, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, let's see. He was in the first one. I think the second one focused on his character. Um, the oh third gosh. one uh, does say Michael Gross. The fourth <laughs> one, uh, Michael Gross. The fifth one, Michael Gross. The sixth one. Michael Gross. <laughs> yeah. So he's kind of the continuing thread he's through the, all of these. Okay. There was a TV show during Tremors 2 that was called Tremors 2 Aftershocks, The Lost Monsters. That one um, did end up getting canceled. It never finished getting oh. produced. They started another TV series as a spinoff on sci-fi in 2003. Um, it only ran 13 episodes before it got canceled. And then there's this new TV show that you were mentioning with Kevin Bacon. Um, Amazon Prime was moving forward with it, but then it moved to sci-fi and then they they shot it all and then sci-fi said that they passed on the pilot but the trailer oh, wow. is out there so i don't know if that means it's not going anywhere or or what because it says the trailer was made available oh i wonder if it's uh if it's never going to get released now i'm really curious so <laughs> just a little bit <laughs> yeah who who would have thought michael gross you know finishes up family ties and just goes into another just solid franchise with tremors uh, yes. You know, now I want to do that as a series on the show. Uh, you know, I I would, that is one, I, I knowing what you're getting into, uh, yeah, that, that could be a lot of fun. Because these are films that just don't take themselves that seriously, and I think it would be really, really enjoyable. Some of them might be a little rougher than others, but that's a... That's a sit down and just do that over. Yeah, that's a nice long weekend. Just yeah. back to back to back tremors. Yeah. Speaking of uh, of franchises that we should do on the show, how about Child's Play, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Child's Play is another series that has, uh, oh, geez, how Child's many? Play 2, oh. 3, Bride of Chucky, Seed of Chucky, Curse of Chucky, Cult of Chucky. Uh, yeah. So there are seven films in the series. Don Mancini wow. has been behind all of them and has directed the last three, Seed of Chucky, Curse of Chucky, and Cult of Chucky, which was 2017. Now, 
And now they are actually moving forward with a reboot. And that is my trailer pick. It's <laughs> Child's Play that is coming out later this year. It's a remake of the original. And it's a reboot of the franchise with Aubrey Plaza, Ty Consiglio, Gabriel Bateman, Brian Tyree Henry, Tim Matheson, and of course, Mark Hamill as the voice of Chucky. Yes. <laughs> now, what's interesting is that they actually are not involving Don Mancini at all, who is the one who created this whole franchise and was involved from the beginning. He's not involved at all, nor, and obviously, I guess, as Brad Dourif as the voice of Chucky, since now we have Mark Hamill. Um, Lars Klevberg is directing it. And, uh, you know, I, I'm wondering how this is going to play. I really, really had a great time with the very first Child's Play. I never saw any of the others, but I, I really did have a lot of fun with the original one from 1988. I am now really curious because I actually heard that Bride of Chucky was a really interesting and fun twist on that franchise. And so it, it piques my curiosity. Will I, will I ever go back and watch all of them? I don't know. Maybe because I'm curious about it, but I certainly want to see this one. Um, as kind of a reboot in kind of the modern world with modern devices. And here we have this new Chucky doll. Actually, his name is Buddy, as we find out. And he, um, you know, he's kind of connects to your internet. You know, he's got the little Wi-Fi symbol on the over the eye in Buddy. And he can, you know, kind of tap into your all the stuff in your house, all the all the, you know, Bluetooth connections and through that ends up wreaking havoc. And uh, of course, he also runs around wielding knives and all sorts of fun things. So I uh, am really curious to see what they do with this. I think that it's a, a franchise that acknowledges that it's silly because it's a doll, a child's doll running around doing awful things, um, and that they have some fun with. And I'm curious if they will actually make something fun or if it's going to kind of be something that falls by the wayside. What do you think? I think this is a smart way to to reboot this this franchise. I too have only seen the first one. Saw remember seeing that in theaters and yeah, it was a fun little thing. I I can't believe that I thought Bride of Chucky was fairly recent. I guess I haven't been up on my Chucky franchise. I thought, <laughs> oh yeah, Bride of Chucky, that was just a little while ago. No, no, that was nineteen ninety-eight. Wow. Yeah, right. I yeah, and I just guess I have, you know, lost track of time on this. But I love the concept of updating this and moving away from the whole, like, voodoo spirit of an evil person trapped in the doll to more of a, a you know, the Internet of Things taking over and AI and the dangers of that. It's a more contemporary, uh, I think, fear of, you know, what happens when all your devices are connected. Well, if one goes awry, then, you know, clearly your entire life is in danger because, you know, everything from your thermostat to drones to everything uh, is uh, interrelated and can can kill you. Uh, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to this maybe launching another little franchise because it is such a, a fun concept uh you know to see chucky with his trademark you know big knife i mean that's i mean for you know freddy krueger's got his his finger knives and chucky's got his big knife that that's you know <laughs> they they kept that intact and i think that uh they're just doing what they need to with with a reboot is which is you keep the things that you need and then you you reinvent things um and they've done that i think perfectly in this it just looks like it's going to be a lot of fun you know what you're going to get uh you know <laughs> from watching this trailer which i think is the second trailer now because i think the first one yeah. just gave you know was more of a teaser right, but this exactly. one yeah you're seeing how <laughs> how some of these devices are going to be used against people and yeah i this will be summer fun. I don't know if I'll get out to theaters to see it, but it's one that I'll, I'll definitely watch and have a lot of fun with this because I think that, you know, Chucky is just such a, a fun character. He is. He really yeah. is. It's interesting looking at kind of the the critics, the kind of the reviews of the franchise. There was a, you know, a, a high 
mark, I think, for a horror movie set in 1988, uh, 67% was the original. Then it dropped to 40%. Then 23% is really kind of the nadir for the franchise of Child's Play 3. Then it picks up with Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky, 46 and 32. And then Curse of Chucky and Cult of Chucky are 83% each on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Okay. Big jumps for those last two. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'm I'm curious to really kind of revisit all these now and yeah. see what I think. But uh, yeah, anyway, this film is going to be opening June 21st, so it'll be a little bit of summertime fun. Oh yes, definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's it for trailers. Let's uh, should we jump into our lists? Yes. Yes, we shall. And when it's two of us, it's always a little bit easier. We're not going to have any double steals. We uh, there's. I, I feel like I've got a little bit more breathing room because there were some I thought, oh, P- Pete's going to take this one. I know Pete's probably going to have this one <laughs> on his list. You and me, I think we can we can work our way through this list. <laughs> right, right. We can. Um, who wants to go first? Well, what? so our topic is... Oh, yeah. I, so I, so our, the movie that we were discussing right. this week is La Berge Espanol, or The Spanish Apartment, which is about a bunch of, uh, which is about a guy who's on a study abroad and living with a bunch of uh, roommates from all over Europe. And uh, and the people have spoken. They wanted us to talk about roommate movies. Yes. Ooh, that, mm. I breathed a sigh of relief when I saw that because I, I thought, some, <laughs> I don't, oh, I'm like, oh, I can do this. This one, this one was easy. And then as I, I started doing my searches, I realized, and I'm in IMDb, and I'm like, wow, if you had to do TV shows about roommates, you could, we could each have a list of 10, and we'd probably still be fine without, <laughs> without yeah, right. crossover. Movies, uh, there were a, a range of different things and genres that, that are available, and I, I tried to keep it to movies where it's, it's not, I guess, the, the roommate relationship is pretty central to the story it's not just oh this person happens to have a roommate that's maybe just a a side supporting character i tried to have it integrated as much to the story and, and main plot as i could as the the relationship between the the roommates uh to the best of my ability so that's you know it's not like oh they shared a room for one scene and, and that's it uh so that's where where i'm going uh okay so i'm gonna start See, this one might be, uh, I'm going to start with what might be a steal off of your list. And I know we've talked about this, but there's a reason I'm bringing this up. um, Because this is a movie that has, speaking of TV shows, has now been brought to TVs. And I think it's, I think it's FX has what we do in the shadows as the TV series. But that is my first pick for roommate movies, because when you've got a trio of <coughs> vampires as roommates and uh, well, you've seen, you've seen this one. It's it's one of my oh, yes. favorite like dark comedies. They're just, I, I love this so much. Heads. <laughs> So much fun with this. Haven't had a chance to see how it's translated to a series, but it's one that I'm really intrigued to see how they they convert this into sort of a weekly sitcom with uh, a vampires as roommates. But that's that's my first pick. What we do in the shadows. Well, they certainly have the meat for it, considering uh, it's uh, just uh. it's well, it's just it's such a funny concept mm-hmm. and such great characters. Oh, yeah. So I I am very curious about that as well. I loved it. Great first pick. And, um, yeah, I, I don't have much to add about that one. It's just a fantastic movie and everyone should watch it. Yep. For my first one, I am, uh, well, yeah, I, I'm going to go with this one because it's, it's two roommates who go on a a road trip. So is it a roommate movie or a road trip movie, Andy? What is it? It's both. Oh, I, get the, right. I get the pleasure of, of doing both. <laughs> it's uh, it's just an absolutely hilarious movie. It's kind of Jim Carrey at his peak and Jeff Daniels proving that he can do some comedy, not just some more of the drama stuff, but it's Dumb and Dumber. Uh, oh, my goodness. These two guys are so funny together. And uh, it's it's raunchy. It's a tricky one because there is some really just great humor that is perfect for the family. And then there's a lot of it that's definitely not. And so I actually showed my kids a few <laughs> oh, no. select, I, oh, okay. just a few select scenes from this <laughs> okay. movie because I just wanted to introduce them to it because it's so stinking funny. But there's like no way that I'm like, I get showed them this whole movie. I was like, uh, I'll just do a couple scenes because 
It's pretty bad. But yes. um, but God, just watching Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels together, uh, it's it's perfect. I, I think that the two of them just found the the perfect way to kind of blend these these idiots together. And it's it's the Farrelly brothers, and and they've. You know, before uh, you know, screwing up the Oscars by winning Green Book, they uh, they had been doing some <laughs> really clever and and R rated comedy, and and I think this was a good example of that. And and Harry and Lloyd, I think, are just characters for the ages. So that's my first pick: Dumb and Dumber. Okay, yeah, seen it. Uh, it's, I, it uh, does not hold a. <laughs> it, and I think again, it's, <clears throat> and I guess it's with the Fairley Brothers. I don't know. I don't always. I guess when a lot of their movies were coming out, it just wasn't a priority. And then it, it got hyped into this thing. And it's the same issue that I have with uh, something about Mary, where it was just like, oh, my gosh, this is the funniest movie ever made. So I have these like heightened expectations. I'm like, yeah, that was it was clever. It was funny. And I, I just well, yeah. I wasn't caught off guard by the surprise and freshness of it because it like just had heard so many of the jokes or people like, you know, had talked about it and the funny moments. And so I just... I haven't connected with them that way. And, and comedy is a tricky thing. And that's, I, I enjoyed it. Just not the same as, as everybody else. And I agree. It's, I, it was, I think really smart choice for, for Jeff Daniels. And I think it, it did a lot of really unique things in comedy. It's just, yeah, I have some un, unfortunate experience around viewing it that prevented me, I think from enjoying it the way I would have, if I had just gone into this without, anybody telling me anything about it which is unfortunate yeah, yeah. sure yeah yeah okay <clears throat> all right next i'm gonna go back to the beginning of danny boyle's career uh his first collaboration with john hodge this is his re the 1994 his first as far as i recall feature film uh and i remember i think someone had recommended to me i picked it up at blockbuster uh because I hadn't really heard about it, but got some, you know, a, a solid recommendation from somebody about three friends that discover that their new flatmate flatmate is dead, but loaded with cash. And and what will they do with that when you've got Christopher Eccleston, Ian McGregor, and Carrie Fox in 1994's Shallow Grave, and what money does to roommates? Uh, the the tensions, and it's this very. Uh, it's sort of a crime thriller because you've got the police investigating and them trying to get away with spending whether or not they can spend money. And it just did some, it was a nice sort of edgier seat thriller, uh, sort of as a, a smaller film with, you know, at that point, I don't think Ian McGregor had been in many other things or if I even recognized him or knew him. Uh, so it's interesting if you have not seen this to, to see a uh, very young Christopher Eccleston and Ian McGregor in uh, this very early Danny Boyle film that I, I have not seen in a long time, but really thoroughly enjoyed just the, there's some nice camera work in this. And it just was something really uh, unlike other thrillers I had seen up to that point. That's one I, I should have had on my list because it's a great example of it um, that I, you know, it's it kind of slipped through the cracks in my mind too. I loved that film when I watched it in the 90s. And I just have never caught up with it again. But uh, boy, just talking about it here and hearing you talk about it makes me want to rewatch it. I, I just, it was such a great movie. I'll be watching Discord for everybody else's reviews to show up over the next four days. Because <laughs> it is, if you, if you have not seen now I don't know how well it's going to hold up. That's the, that's the thing, because I have not seen it in a long time. And, and some things can get dated very quickly. And I don't know if other films have you know, leverage some of the things that did here if Danny Boyle has, but I, it just, at that point, it was, it was fresh for its time. So I, yeah. I, well, Criterion it, released it. So oh, okay. at least it's got the Criterion mark and maybe you'll there find it go. on the Criterion channel. I, you can revisit it. I may have to check that out. All right. Where are you going next with your roommates, Andy? I'm jumping back a ways all the way to, uh, to 1948 with uh, a Hitchcock film, Rope. Which is, oh, yes. We've talked about on this show Compulsion, which is based on kind of the Leopold and Loeb story, that kind of crime story. This is a kind of a fictionalized version of it based on the play. 
And, uh, you know, it's it's known, I think, a lot because of the way that Hitchcock shot it, the fact that he really tried to do this with make it to make it feel like the whole thing was shot with one take. Yes. Which is a really interesting conceit. And I think Hitchcock pulls it off pretty well. It's a little obvious sometimes, like as the because I mean, this was film. He only had so long on each reel before he had to before the role would end out and he would end and he'd have to um, start a new one. And so he'd make sure at the end of that reel we're ending on somebody's back or on a wall or something. So he had a place to kind of create those cuts. He does a pretty good job of kind of creating that illusion. I think it's pretty nice. But, you know, beyond that, it's the story about these two two um, uh, college guys who strangle their former um, Harvard uh, classmate. And uh, because kind of because it's an intellectual exercise, as they say, they want to prove that they are uh, superior by creating the perfect murder. And so they they strangle him. And then they put the body in this chest. And then they have a dinner party, including the victim's uh, father and his aunt and um, and and an old professor of theirs who kind of they pulled this idea from not that he ever meant for them to do this. But Jimmy Stewart is that character. And it's a really, really interesting film about kind of this nature of murder and and this whole intellectual way of looking at it that is really horrifying when you kind of pull it apart. Um, it's an interesting film. These two roommates uh, are pretty horrifying in the fact that they've done this. And the fact that the whole thing takes place in their apartment in one camera shot is also worth checking out. So that's my second pick, Rope. Oh, yes. <clears throat> I remember I was sort of uh, on a Hitchcock kick uh, back in high school working at the video store. I had access to, well, whatever was available on VHS at the time. And so I remember when this... Um, Got an opportunity to see this. And yeah, looking at, you know, knowing that it was this, you know, trying to get it all in one take type of, of style. Uh, and you, yeah, you can see where the breaks are, but there's so many great visuals. The one scene that I remember so well from this is the they, they walk into the kitchen and it's got that swinging door. And they open the drawer and they drop the rope. In, and it basically, as the door is swinging wide back and forth, you can see what's going on in the kitchen. So you sort of get... You know, you see them open the drawer, the, the 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 drawer in the kitchen. The door swings open. You see them drop the rope in. The door swings back, so you don't see them for a second, and then they're walking out. So it it was just one of those things where I thought that's a really interesting way to do this, since you have already established that your camera is fixed. You can't you can't edit. You can't go in for close up. So how do you show those things? Uh, that normally you might want to get in a close-up on something. How do you feature or emphasize something you want the audience to see? And it just so many innovative things. And again, of course, Jimmy Stewart working with Hitchcock, uh, you know, that's Jimmy Stewart's in a Hitchcock film. I'm I'm all aboard for that. I know that there has been some Discord discussion on the, was it Man Who Knew Too Much? And I it's been mm-hmm. so long since I've seen both of those versions that I I don't recall which one is my favorite um but this was one that yeah i i want to say it's sort of it's i hate to categorize my hitchcock but this is sort of like falls in that second tier where a lot of people know the big ones and this is one that i think uh people will really enjoy if they haven't gotten around to seeing it because it is a really interesting concept that these characters are exploring about you know the superiority and, and being able to pull off sort of the perfect crime. Uh, very interesting concept. Well done. Enjoy that. Thank one. you. All right. What's your final pick? <clears throat> My final pick. There are so many things. And I see Pete has already thrown in his uh, list there on Discord <laughs> of things. And yeah, there were a couple that uh, I considered and said, no, Pete's going to take those. So I went with something that I think a lot of people may not have seen because I think it's one that, that gets overlooked. But um Back in the late 90s and early 2000s, um, there was a writer that, for me, I was really, really enjoying his films. And he wrote some really solid films. If you think about movies like Dead Again and Get Shorty and Out of Sight and Minority Report, those are all written by Scott Frank. Well, in 2007, he directed his first film, a little film called The Lookout, starring. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Jeff Daniels again. And this is a story of uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays a a kid who was like a 
all-star hockey player. He's involved in a car accident and he basically has now memory issues. He's got to write down things to remember because his, his memory's been impacted. And Jeff Daniels plays his roommate, his blind roommate. So you've got a guy that they can't remember things and a, and a blind guy, but uh, some guys decide that they want to pull off this crime because uh, they're going to use uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, whose character's name is Chris Pratt. Uh <laughs> So Chris is like a custodian at the bank and these guys decide they want to use Chris as sort of their inside man to pull off this crime. And it's a really interesting story when you have a character who's got, you know, these memory issues of how he's going to try to get himself out of the situation. How can he turn these tables on these guys when he has trouble remembering things in the, the little ways he sets things up to remind himself to remember things. Uh, just, I had so much fun with this. Also, uh, Isla Fisher is sort of the the girl that they use to to lure Chris into their plan. Uh, just a short film, ninety eight minutes, but just a really solid, as I recall, thriller done in a really unique way. When you've got you know a, a, your main characters are you know have memory issues and a, and a blind character and how they use that blindness uh, in the stories, some some innovative, interesting ways. So. If you have not seen it, uh, definitely recommend it. Uh, it's not going to be a perfect five-star movie. I, I can tell there, you know, some people, you might have some issues with pacing or some other things. It has been a while since I've seen it, but I know I really enjoyed it. Did some some unique unique things. Uh, back in 2007, hadn't seen some some things done this way. That's my well, top For one. me, I, I, I liked seeing uh, Matthew Good's turn in it. I thought he was a great yeah. uh, kind of villain in that film. So, Oh, yeah. So you have seen it. I have. Yeah, oh, I excellent. It. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. I was afraid Definitely. this was going to be one that I was out there alone and and nobody had seen. So glad. No, to yeah, know. it's it's a it's it's one worth checking out. It's not like you said. It's not yeah. a, a five star film, but it certainly is an interesting one that's worth uh, taking a look at because it's it's got some interesting stuff going on yeah. in it. Yep. All right. All right. Well, for my final pick, I am going uh, with a classic, a, a very big film that uh, everybody should have seen if they have not yet. I am talking about Billy Wilder's 1950 film, Sunset Boulevard. This film is a wonderful noir. It's got some incredible performances. Of course, uh, Gloria Swanson is uh, very well known for her role in this film as a faded silent film star who uh, who kind of draws this, uh, this failing screenwriter, played by William Holden, into her web and... and you know, he kind of, she kind of, uh, it's kind of happenstance that they come together. Um, but, uh, you know, she finds out that he's a writer and, and wants to, uh, you know, have him help with this script that she's working on and that's going to be her big return. And so she kind of, uh, insists that he move in and kind of, uh, this is the whole roommate angle and, and, and he kind of enters this crazy world of hers with old faded stars coming and playing poker and and just kind of this dark web as she kind of takes over his life and it, it turns into a really interesting story and, and very much is a noir with kind of, uh, you know, murder and and uh, femme fatale and all that sort of stuff. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderfully dark film and it's a really great take on Hollywood and Los Angeles in 1950. That is uh, my final pick, Sunset Boulevard. Oh my gosh, I love that movie so much. It was one that I had kept reading about as this great classic, and I, I can't remember when I finally got around to it, but it was probably later, that maybe in college or, or after. Um, and oh my gosh, I, this is one of those like classic, perfect films when I, and I say, I can't believe I waited this long to get around to seeing it because there are just so many things that work so well in this. Oh my gosh, the... <laughs> You're right. Those are roommates. Those are not roommates I that, that came to mind. But oh <laughs> yes, this is uh, definitely uh, a, a, one of one of the great films, and yeah. definitely deserves yeah. that place. Well, so right. uh, yeah, and then of course uh, you know we had some uh, Pete had thrown his out there, like you had mentioned, and we had some others. I I know I had some others on my list and my uh, uh, backups, but Pete mentioned Ted. And of course, uh, Scott Pilgrim, we've talked about before yeah. on the show, Notting Hill. I, I immediately thought of that when this came to mind, but I just talked about that. So I couldn't. Bring right. That and one I, up, I knew it was going to be I knew that was going to be a steal, probably. And I thought, yes, we've we've talked about that one, I think, yeah. several times here. Yes. 
And then mm. uh, Tootsie, Real Genius, Single mm. White Female, Brian's Song. Those are all the ones from Pete's list. And then I also had In Her Shoes, True Romance, School of Rock, Three Men and a Baby, Bridesmaids, The Good Guy, The Good, the Goodbye Girl, and then some others that we talked about, Adaptation and Shaun of the Dead. Do you have any other backups? Because only this only came to mind because it was recently, as I think we were discussing Disney Plus and some of the shows that they were going to be developing. And Steve Gutenberg, how can you forget Three Men and a Baby? How can you forget <laughs> Three Men and a Baby as a roommate movie, Andy? How can you forget? I, that? <laughs> I just said it. Did you? It was on my backup. Yeah, it was I, one of my backups. I, you went so fast. Uh, I know I did. I did. Uh, no, Donnie Hill was in there. Um, yes, discussions in our household. Uh, Real Genius and Tootsie also came up. I, I am ashamed to say, first thing when I, I said, okay, roommate movies, the first thing that actually came to mind was Single White Female. And I don't really enjoy that movie, but I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, The Crazy Roommate. That's you know all about roommates. I'm like, I got to come up with something else. But Yeah, uh, I, and that's <laughs> when I... I I probably saw it and half paid attention to. So I was yeah. like, there's no way I can use that one because I don't, uh, I didn't care for it that much. And it's yeah. not something. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Nice. Where do we go well, next we week? Are, we're going to be looking at Russian dolls, uh, which is not in any way related to the current TV show that is, uh, you're watching that one, right? Oh, oh you, finish that. The one oh, yeah. oh, yeah. No, I, we binged that over like three days. That was. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. This is the, of course, the follow-up to Laberge Espanol, following our uh, protagonist five years later as he's now pursuing his dreams of being a writer and realizing it's a lot harder than uh, he thought. He's um, he's instead of uh, succeeding as a novelist, he's writing pulp. He's uh, writing a bunch of. Uh, I think he had a, a soap opera, things like that. So. So there's something that we could probably pull from that where it's like, you know, your dream job is not the dream you thought it would be sort of thing. I don't okay. know what that sort yeah. of list is going to look okay. like. Um, it's kind of continuing. It's like reconnecting with with old relationships. Um, we could do something there. So this is this is sort of after leaving college, then sort of like first careers type thing. And I guess that maybe gets into that, you know, the the vision of like... This is what I'm in college. This is what I want to do with my life. And then the reality of I have to actually like have a job. Uh, is that like the where you're going with sort of the, the dream dream job is not the dream job? Well, it is his dream job. Like oh, he it is wants to be a writer. Okay. He wants to be a writer. Like that's what the whole first film is. You know, he yeah. he wants to be a writer, but he's pursuing a career in finance or economics, actually. Oh, okay. And he at the end, he, you know, decides he's going to pursue his dream. But now he's realizing that it's a lot harder than he thought because ah, he's like okay. writing pulpy romance novels. He's doing ghost writing. He, I think, works on a, on a like a cheesy soap opera. So it's like, you know, oh, okay. he's pursuing his dream, but it's like, you know, there's a lot more more to it. So I guess it's, okay. I don't know what that is. Like the realization that it's, it's harder to pursue your dream than you thought. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't the, know what to. Oh, okay. The dream is not all it's cracked up to be type of thing. Something, okay. something like okay. that. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll have to figure out how, what to call that. But yeah, I like that yeah. idea of like aspiring to this great thing and it's not as easy. Okay. Right. Um. All right. So we've got the career thing and then reconnecting with friends. Over, and later in life, is that? that which, yep, is yep. Other he's, one? he's reconnecting with some of the people. In, okay. in a way, it's kind of like a before trilogy sort of thing. Okay, he's, he's reconnecting with some of the people that he had met when he was roommates with them in the Spanish apartment. The first okay. one. Okay. All right. So reconnecting um, with old friends. Okay. Yeah. All reconnecting right. with old friends. I like that okay. one. All right. Um. What's uh, do you have any fun IMDb? Plot. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's, not, it's not gonna it's not gonna be good i can guarantee that because i think the <laughs> the first one there's all kinds of things about underwear and nudity in the in the <laughs> uh i don't know if i have uh hot keywords here uh i'm not seeing them but i'm i'm seeing the description well i i I do like um now is it why is it called Russian dolls? Is he in Russia? What 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 is the connection? You know, I, that? I haven't watched it yet. So oh, I, okay. I'm just I'm just kind of going basing everything off the plot summaries. <laughs> I don't know why it's called Russian dolls. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh okay. So Wendy's brother William's fallen in love with Natasha, a Russian ballerina. He spent a year oh, learning Russian okay. to try winning her over. Uh he moves to be with her in St. Petersburg. Okay, and then Xavier and Wendy go to Russia to stay with them. Okay, so they they do go to Russia. 
okay. looks like. So we could do um, film set in Russia. There you go. Do you want to do that? Yeah, it sounds good. I think we've got. Okay. Yeah, we've got three things. Okay. Good. So we've got reconnecting with old friends, film set in Russia, and then how are we def- defining that last one? Do we want to just say uh, dream your um, dream jobs or uh, dream jobs not cracked up to? What you thought they'd be, or something? Oh, like that. oh, oh! Dream jobs that are a nightmare. Not a nightmare. It's like it's, <laughs> it's just, just it's like, harder. It's harder than you thought. Um, yeah, that's a that's a, like I guess that I guess an easy I, one to come up with. Films I guess for? like uh, a, a I know Dr- dream jobs are hard work. You know that's what they're going to pick. They're going to hear us struggling with this. They're going to be like, yeah, know, we'll I have know. you do that list. We'll find a way. We'll find a way. Yeah. Okay, I, that's yeah. a that's a crazy one, but there okay. it is. All Reconnecting right. with old friends, film set in Russia, and dream jobs are hard work. Okay, <laughs> my goodness. All right, uh, the things that we end up coming up with for yes. these lists should be fun. All right, well, that is it for this week's Saturday Matinee, everybody. Uh, thanks so much for supporting the show and uh, and being a part of the next reel. We appreciate it, and uh, we appreciate you. And I guess that's it, Steve. So until next week, we'll see ya, Hondo. Andy, according to my friend, Internet, this is what Letterboxd is. Letterboxd is a global social network for grassroots film discussion and discovery. Use it as a diary to record and share your opinion about films as you watch them, or just keep track of films you've seen in the past. Showcase your favorites on your profile page. That is a lot. You bet it is. That's why I want you to tell our fair listeners just one thing you do with Letterboxd that has changed the way you watch movies. Let them have it. Okay, are you ready for this? So ready. I love lists. As of today, I have 246 lists in my account. I use them to track the movies I watch, organize them in all sorts of different ways. I track them by hand. I clone lists from other people. I use them to plan what I'm going to be watching. All sorts of things. I just, I love creating lists. It's a fantastic tool. Sexiest animated characters. Andy, what is this? We love Letterboxd. And if you're a movie lover, we are sure you will too. And when you upgrade from the free account, you will remove ads and support the great Kiwi team building this amazing service. Just use the discount code NEXTREEL or visit thenextreel.com slash letterboxd to get 20% off your pro or patron membership. And it works for renewals as well.